Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke. And I'm Jay. Welcome to the podcast. Today's topic, the third season of The Mandalorian. It is part of the Star Wars franchise set after the events of Return of the Jedi. This is your warning. We will be talking spoilers. Yeah, uh, this is a weird one. I mean, we've previously reviewed the first two seasons of The Mandalorian on the podcast. And this, the success of this is probably why we have, I'd say anything Star Wars right now, uh, in the especially in the amounts we're having it. Uh, post-sequels, they'd already announced the Andor TV show from, like, not, well, I think Rogue One was still in cinemas when they announced that. Um, but this was all we had sitting on there of like, oh, yeah, yeah, Mandalorian. Uh, we're going to do this this little series set after Return of the Jedi. No big thing. And then it was huge. It was massive. And then built off the strength of this, and especially those first two seasons, we've gotten uh, the Ahsoka series spinoff. We had Book of Boba Fett, which has already come and gone that we've reviewed. Um, Ahsoka still to drop. I think that drops in... The end of June for Ahsoka, June fit maybe mid June fifteenth. I've got in my head at the moment, somewhere around there. Um, and they've announced within the last month or so that these series are all going to culminate in a theatrical release film to wrap all of it up. Well, is those... is that what they're doing though? Because what they actually said was a movie event. Like, no, no, they said a cinematic event. I don't know if right. that necessarily means theatrical because, yeah, because they've announced that Star Trek film with Michelle Yao. Yeah, oh, Section 31. And they're referring to that. I mean, I mean, obviously, this is Disney Plus, but with the Star Trek one, that's on Paramount Plus, and they're referring to that as a TV movie event. And what they're talking about here is like a cinematic event that's going to bring all the shows together. So I don't necessarily think it's going to be at the cinema. Oh, see, I, when I heard it, I thought, oh, that's strange. Because I think if anything has, like, the lack of people watching the Marvel series would have taught you that maybe you don't put necessary information in a TV series that maybe people are going to skip. And then yeah. when they watch the next film, they're lost of like, wait a minute, what's going on? Who, what, why is Wonder Evil? Why is this person around? What, what, what's the multiverse? What are you talking about? Who's this guy? I'm yeah, so I think Star Wars, I mean, there is, you know, films going to be coming out on the big screen, but I think what they're talking about with Mandalorian, Ahsoka, other characters, you know, I did hear Morrison. Obviously, he first came back as Boba Fett in season two of Mandalorian. Yeah. Apparently, what he said is that he was supposed to be in Mandalorian season three, but nobody found him. He was waiting for a phone call in New Zealand, and after a while, he stopped waiting. So I don't know yes. if he was having fun with whoever was interviewing him, but... Otherwise, I mean, Book of Boba Fett, we've reviewed it on the on the podcast. That's 
that was not a good Boba Fett show. It really wasn't. No, and if, for those who didn't watch it, the start of this, this season, season three, they're going to be watching it like, wait a minute, what? What? Why is, why is Grogu here? Why is Baby Yoda here? He got taken away by Luke Skywalker. Why he, is he here again? What's going on? Because that all happened, like, it took over a quarter of the season of Book of Boba Fett. Like, there was at least two solid episodes where yeah. it became Mandalorian. Yeah. <laughs> Which, uh, and I'm sure Morrison noticed. <laughs> yeah. But it's strange to think, given everything that happened there uh, and what was established, that he doesn't get brought back for season three. And I think a couple of things have happened behind the scenes. Uh, I believe a thousand percent that the way season two finished and Grogu going off with Luke Skywalker was supposed to be, all right, we took care of that two-season story arc for the kid. Now let's go on to our next thing uh, and start building out that uh, with Mandalorian, Boba Fett, Soka, and Cara Dune uh, to build to what will be the next big thing and have they had their stuff planned out but what's happened this has not been confirmed but it, there has been a number of leaks from inside lucasfilm that indicate this was definitely a major factor baby yoda merchandise is so lucrative and so huge that dave filoni and john favreau were forced to keep him in the show which is why he was thrown in book of boba fett to be like oh by the way don't worry about the next season of Mandalorian. Baby Yoda's going to be in there. I did. Covered. I did. Are you just refusing to not call him Grogu? <laughs> Do you not like <laughs> I that? Actually, no, no. I actually have above my desk, I have life-size Grogu as right. well as Mandalorian just... Episode 1, 2 hot toys as well okay. as Mandalorian <laughs> with baby with Grogu. See, you'll be doing it again. Hot toys. Saying, and Ahsoka hot toys. <laughs> <laughs> saying Baby Yoda seems like more effort than Grogu, but you keep saying. But you, I yeah. heard that as well. I I heard that come season three of Mandalorian, they wanted them back together. It can be in the marketing and probably giving a little bit of a boost to Book of Boba Fett. I mean, watching his show, and the best thing about his show is when he's not in it. Is not a good sign. It's not, no. Um, but I think it's just a big part of that is we're already so invested. We're 16 episodes invested on Grogu and Injurin. And also in the Book of Boba Fett, you've got a really great uh, technologically uh, enhanced actor being reskinned as young Mark Hamill, like the, the Jedi Master Luke Skywalker we always wanted to see. In Book of Boba Fett, like no one was thinking about Boba Fett when those two episodes popped up. I think everyone had the idea of like, ah, oh, I thought well, I was watching Boba Fett. You know what? It doesn't matter. I'm enjoying this far more. I'll, I'm, I'm happy. I know, and then but some people... When you get back to Boba Fett... <laughs> I know, but some people weren't watching Book of Boba Fett. And no, all of yeah. a sudden, they've been told they're missing out on Mandalorian episodes. It, it's just... It was a... 
I think when Mandalorian first came out that first season, and it was one of the few original shows that actually had on Paramount Plus when it first launched. But that first season, legitimately fantastic. Like, such a great show. And then we've got a really good second season. You know, it had to do more and introduce more characters, and you got more world buildings. It wasn't as streamlined as that first season, but it was still really good. Then we get the Book of Boba Fett, and Mandalorian comes in and out of that. But then we get in other shows, and I just think depending on the episode, tonally, it doesn't feel like you're watching the same show or the same season of a show. Like there's even episodes in this and all of a sudden it's like you're watching Andor again. Like it becomes a different thing. Yeah, that's episode three, chapter 19, the convert. Yes. They've just gotten back from Mandalore. He's been cleansed in the the living waters and that takes all of, want to say 10 minutes maybe slightly longer and then for the next half an hour you're following these former imperials and Coruscant and it's very much like Andor and you're like wait what's going on who are these people he's somewhat familiar he's the guy who protected Grogu when they were when they first got him and then he is the one that they captured to find out where Boffa Gideon was in season two and then with uh, the Imperial Officer, who, by the way, in the credits, it's just known as Comms Officer, uh, played by Katie O'Brien, who was like that warrior woman in Ant-Man Quantumania. Uh, Right. I knew I'd seen her somewhere. Yeah. um, I'd also seen her on a few episodes of The Rookie. She had a bit part there before moving on. But she's doing great work as the Imperial who... You think's being rehabilitated, but turns out is actually just there for Moff Gideon and to like sow chaos and distrust and like throw help throw spanners in the works of what if anyone starts to think about looking towards Moff Gideon again. Um, she's got such great cold dead face, but when she's warm, she's warm and you you it's a fascinating performance that she's giving. But like you said, this is spends the majority of an episode you're like where did this come from is this coming back around it isn't till uh at two uh three uh two episodes later the pirate that she just comes in that's one with uh when uh the pilot is goes to Coruscant to like i need task force they're attacking this planet that's not new republic but you know, this this empire's been sniffing around. I think we should check it out. And he's talking to Tim Meadows, which kind of threw me out. And he's like being like the bureaucrat of like, mm, they're not near Republic. <laughs> we can't really afford yeah. the resources. And she comes in to convince him of like, yeah, I don't. We should shouldn't bend the rules. We should do as exactly as we were supposed to. And but when those things happen, yeah, it completely throws you off because the tone has quite a significant change from when you're following Man Mando. And you're like, yeah. what is happening? Um, I think- well, the story, you're right. The story throws you off. The tone throws you off. Tim Meadows in Star Wars throws you off. Now, I <laughs> like Tim Meadows. I have done for a long time. The movie, The Ladies' Man, the SNL film. That's a funny yeah. film. Will yeah. Ferrell, Lee Evans. It's a really, really funny film. And, you know, we've seen him in The Goldbergs and various other things. 
Mean Girls. But this is Star Wars. And having him be in Star Wars, I don't know, is that when you see things like that happen, you know, we recently reviewed The Bad Batch season two. Yep. Wanda Sykes voicing a character in that, and she's got such a distinctive voice. I don't know, it is a little bit distracting, less so with animation, but just yeah. having Tim Meadows in this, and it doesn't stop there. Jack Black. Yeah. Lizzo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Christopher Lloyd in the oh, same in episode. The, Those in three the same, in the same. I know, in the same episode. Like they're not even trying to share them out throughout the season. No. And any one of these, you would have uh you wouldn't have been as taken aback if they were wearing a more elaborate costume. Um <laughs> or wearing makeup to like dumb to like partially hide the voice, but uh, the face, sorry. But Lizzo's in something I could imagine her walking out onto stage for a concert in. Uh, Jack Black is just the most Jack Black I've I think, think he's, <laughs> he's made a real commitment to that beard, and he has, yeah. I'd be surprised to see him without it. So it's <laughs> it's that part of his look now, isn't it? So it's like, oh, it's Jack Black in Star Wars. Yeah, um, but it's it takes you way, way, way out of those episodes when these things happen. Um, and I it think really another does. thing that's attributed to this this uneven tone is uh, Gina Carano's character, Cara June, was supposed to have her own TV series to do a bunch of the lifting I think this season of Mandalorian's been forced into. Uh because that's, I think, why he's end, ends the season of like, oh, I'm going to go do bounties on the frontier for you guys um, because I've got to look after my kid. Um, but Disney Fighter, because of some tweets, um, which is a whole thing. But John Favreau and I was really angry. It's like, there's nothing that serious in here. Um, and we've planned the next two to five years of story based around this stuff with her character. She they like the Marvel cinematic universe. There are beats and plot points that are going to have to be delivered through her to set up for this thing. That's going to wrap the whole thing up. Um, that's taken of uh, that's, that's disrupted the series. Grogu's disrupted the series because other than him becoming like, Din's uh, apprentice. He doesn't have any character development. He's just there because what he was supposed to accomplish, he accomplished already. And then he doesn't have anything further until they're like, oh, we really should start pushing him somewhere like late in the season. Um, and you had all the stuff with Bo Katan, which that even that feels like it was rushed. But to get Grogu into where he was supposed to be took two full seasons. Have Bo-Katan played brilliantly by um, Katie Sackhoff uh, and Mandalor the Mandalorian find the fractured remains of the other Mandalorians, force them together into a loose alliance, and then retake their homeworld. That feels like a two-season storyline. But that was all condensed into not even eight episodes. Really, it was only about four episodes. Yeah. Because 
the he gets to Mandalore real quickly and gets like cleansed and she sees and she goes along with him and sees something that she makes her like question herself. Then she's along with him for the ride. You can ride off after the third episode because of what that hat, what the, um, the, but actually the, the third and fourth episodes, you can write those off because they're not really a big thing in that. They're just doing like side quests that aren't actually moving the plot forward. Then you get back to episode five and six where they find somewhere for all of them to congregate because Navarro, like, if you help us out, you'll have somewhere to sit and to stay and you'll be protected. And then she goes and gets the rest of the Mandalorians in the very next episode, which most of the episodes are an investigation. Then she cures the rest of it in like five minutes. And then the last two episodes of the finale where they're actually going to Mandalore. There's no like big meeting or strategy. There's no like, well, we don't have all of the fleet here. Some of them are over here on another mission, and some of them are splintered over there. And I heard talk of another group over on this, another like uh, faction. There's none of that. As I said, it all feels like condensed into one season. So they're like, look, we're going to struggle with our tone. We're going to struggle with our consistency. We're going to struggle with a few things. We're going to finish off the whole Moff Gideon thing, get that out the way, because we need him gone and resolved. But when we get to whatever's going to happen in Ahsoka, I hear there's going to be a season four of Mandalorian before the the wrap up cinematic event. Right. Yep. With with Moff Gideon, I th- I thought he was already done. I thought we'd done that. I thought that was season two, yeah. and then we're yeah. building towards something, and then we find out we're building towards him. What he'd been wanting in the second season, all he wanted was the dark saber because that was the ultimate weapon he wanted that weapon as soon as he gets hold of it in this season just breaks it throws it well that's that then that's the dark saber I'm like oh that's a bit yeah. of an anticlimax for that weapon because it i mean it means so much to so many people and he wanted it for the longest time and he finally just takes it off bo-katan snaps it that's it yeah and again like for this season i feel like he wasn't in the picture until you'd lose Cara Dune series and you forced Grogu back in because it's, I don't know what episode it is when he there's finally, it's the pirate. It's the end of the fifth episode where like right at the end of the episode, that X-Wing pilot goes and tracks down the shuttle and like, this was Moff Gideon's shuttle. He's not in it. He's escaped. Um, so it's not until the back half of the season, like the very back half of the season, you even know who the main villain for the, the season is. They didn't have one before this. And it's like, ah, oh, and it feels like they needed someone. And they're like, ah, oh, we don't actually have a focus for like, like an actual antagonist for the season. What have we got? Oh, Moff Gideon's still on the shelf. Yeah, he'll do. He's already been established in this show. Go ahead. But yeah, it feels like one of those compromises that's happened like above the creatives pay grade above Dave Filoni, above John Favreau, above Rick Fumiyawa and Carl Weathers and uh, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard and all the other amazing character uh, people. They have work on this series and yeah. in these episodes they've had, they're working around like roadblocks 
and where it's also forced them to stretch out things that weren't meant to be there. Like there's a, a lot of people have said about this one specifically, not, not that many people complain about pacing and the deliberate pace of the show for the first two seasons, but come this season, a lot of people like this feels like it was padded out. I'm like, yeah, but it's weird because episode to episode in the each episode, things feel padded out. But over the course of the entire season, things seem to be rushed, which is a, a strange that like you don't expect them to be rushing through things from episode to episode, but still each, each episode be slow paced. Yeah, but I think getting, that's like, because you get much those... of information. Yeah, but it's the it's the characters coming in and out of it. Like I say, all of a sudden it's Jack Black and Lizzo and Christopher Lloyd. Yeah. And that's the episode. Yeah. So that's I'm sure if you binged it the whole season, you'd have a different experience, but watching it week to week, like I'm guessing you did and I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, you're right. It feels both rushed and sluggish, but it's because it's not got that consistent storyline running through. It's kind of all yeah. over the place. Now we're over here and now this is happening. We're just hearing what you were saying before about why they had to change things up. It's a shame, isn't it? Just knowing yeah. that this is not the story that they initially wanted to tell, but it's the one that they that they gave us. I mean, it does have its moments. I mean, Mandalorian is still kick-ass, and just that music that they use whenever he appears. Now, this season has a different composer, Joseph Shirley, who has replaced Ludwig Goranson, who did the first two seasons, but what he... That the theme that he composed for the Mandalorian, they're still using it here in this season. And that's great. Yeah. Like he'll turn up out of nowhere, the music, it's heroic, you know, all of that. So there is some there is some good things to say about it. And I'm still hopeful for a fourth season. But what was like the Disney Plus flagship show when it first launched and that strong second season? And I'm, it's disappointing more than anything else, to be honest. Yeah, and there's a couple of things that people I think we should also shout out to. Um, there's actually three. At no point throughout this whole season was Pedro Pascal actually on set. That's He was busy with The Last of Us TV series while filming the day-to-day of this. And as before, like, with most of the other two seasons, the majority of the time, the person inside the Mandalorian armor is actually one of three people. You have Latif Crowder, Barry Lowen, and Brendan Wayne. They're um, three highly competent, very skilled uh, stunt men um, and also performance uh, artists who are doing all the physical stuff. And I got to, and probably delivering the dialogue as well for the other actors to bounce off. Right, um, yeah. And, and what what do people say watching the show? Pedro Pascal's good in this, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's getting all of the credit despite yeah. the fact that it's these three guys who are doing all of the lifting and then Pedro Pascal's doing like great ADR after the fact to um to get his voice recorded for it. Which I mean, you know, like, he is great. I love Pedro Pascal, but yeah, these three guys are like really, really being like overlooked. Um, and also Emily Swallow, 
who plays the armorer, who I know as God's sister from Supernatural. Right. You see, the thing is, I just know her from this and I know the voice. I don't want to know what she looks like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'll spoil the illusion. But yeah, she's she's amazing. Carl Weathers again returns and uh Giancarlo Esposito, of course, as Moff Gideon. But yeah, um Yeah, and we've I know it sounds like we've spent a lot of time down talking this series because of it not quite lifting uh living up to the expectations of the first two seasons. But it is still an enjoyable series. Like the, the acting's really well done. The production's really great. Although it's strange, with I think I've become so accustomed to it. I'm starting to see the limitations of that stagecraft tech they use of the volume, um, specifically in this season. As the cast balloons, you start to see like uh, they're not having as that feels like there should have been more extras in this sh- this action shot than. I suppose they were able to fit actually on the stage at the time. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. Multiple, multiple examples of that where I'm, again, those limitations started to like rear their head where I've, I've picked up, especially the last Star Wars series we watched was Andor, which is all shot on location. So when they had big set pieces and multiple streets and like large crowds, they were unfettered because they had the space to put them where you watch this and you see like the townspeople of Navarro when they're out in the, the camp and they go to in, like welcome Mandalorian to like, is this all that there was in that town? seems like a, a small population for such a large area. And that's just because that's all they could fit on the stage. So they also had to use, have all those Mandalorians on the other side of the, the, the convent, uh, the convert, I think is what they, uh, they call it. But yeah, it's um, this, yeah, it's still an enjoyable series. It's just, Speaking of, what would you give your rating for this uh, if you had to rate it? I mean, we've we've said it already. It's definitely a drop in quality on the back of those first two seasons. But as you say, there is still things to like about it. I mean, I do still like Mandalorian as a show, but it it yeah, it just. It wasn't up there with those first two seasons, but it's still a season that I would recommend to people. And if you're someone who's watching the live-action Star Wars shows, you're probably watching all of them anyway. But for this one, I'm going to come in at a three out of five. What about yourself? Yeah. Yeah, I'm coming in at three out of five as well. It's, again, it, it seems so harsh but it, it has it had an established tone and uh, quality that unfortunately this was lacking. And a lot of that seems to be those behind the scenes bits and pieces that have affected not just the story that they were going to tell, but also the time frame in which they had to tell it and the, the pivot they've had to make. And it's so just made the whole thing overall feel a little uneven and a little underwhelming of like not a lot seems happy happening. Not a lot seems to be happening. There's still those great flakes, those like little things per episode where you're like, Oh, that was great. Or, Oh, or like, I'd like to see where that goes. But 
then next thing I know, it's the finale, and I'm like, oh, oh, we're here already. Like this is this isn't going to end on like some like semi cliffhanger for a season four. Uh, okay. Uh, oh, we're resolved. Oh, because that last episode really felt like a series finale, not a season finale. They're all on Mandalore. Everyone's happy. He's going off. He's got his little cabin with Grogu, his son, and he's going off and going to go back to bounty hunting away from everyone else. Everyone seemed to be in like this nice little spot of like, ah, happy ending. Um, but we know there's more to come. It's just strange. Yeah. Hey, I'm really looking forward to Ahsoka. That looks yeah. like it's, <laughs> it's going to be really good. So there's more Star Wars to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a Rebels follow up as well, which I know we are both eager to check out. Well, that's it for our episode all about Mandalorian season three. If you'd like to contact us about this episode or suggest a topic for an upcoming episode, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. You've been listening to Luke and Jay, the guys from Sounds Like Comics. See you soon. <laughs>